Lord Jesus Christ, fill me with thy spirit that I may be occupied with his presence. I am blind. Send him to make me see. Dark. Let him say, let there be light. May he give me faith to behold. My name engraven in thy hand, my soul and body redeemed by thy blood, my sinfulness covered by life of pure obedience. Replenish me by his revealing grace that I may realize my indissoluble union with thee, that I may know thou hast espoused me to thyself forever in righteousness, love, mercy, faithfulness, that I am one with thee as a branch with its stock, as a building with its foundation. May his comforts cheer me in my sorrows, his strength sustain me in my trials, his blessings revive me in my weariness, his presence render me a fruitful tree of holiness, his might establish me in peace and joy, his incitements make me ceaseless in prayer, his animation kindle in me my undying devotion. Send him as a searcher of my heart to show me more of my corruption and helplessness that I may flee to thee, cling to thee, rest on thee as the beginning and end of my salvation. I never vex him by my indifference and waywardness, grieve him by my cold welcome, resist him by my hard rebellion. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for thy great name's sake. Absolutely amazing morning to hear of lives that profess Jesus is my king and I will follow him. And over and over again through those stories was, and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. I could barely stand up here after that. Oh my goodness, amazing. So amazing. And the angels are singing. And Thank you, Brayden. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Jane, for allowing us to be a part of that and for stepping up and being bold and showing others. And there's this amazing story there where you see Pastor Alan's mom and Pastor Alan and then his daughter, just this, this saving grace, this generational saving grace throughout their family is so awesome, so amazing. Well, good morning, Bethel. Bethel, Bethel. <laughs> good morning, Bethel. Um, I hope you're all ready for a hectic, busy time of year. But I want you to know that in this place right now, you can calm down. All right? No one's going to be pushing grocery carts in front of you or anything like that. Just quiet your hearts. Let's try to focus on the Lord this morning and not about all the things that we have to do for the rest of this season. That song, Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. It's so precious that Jesus can just bring us this peace in our lives when everything is just so messed up and hectic. Well, if you're new with us here at Bethel, I'm sure there's a bunch of visitors here just seeing the baptisms. I hope that you feel welcome and loved and cared for from when you came in the door to when you sat in your seat and all the way throughout this morning. And I hope that this morning, and my prayer, is that Jesus will be on display 
that none of this is about me, it's not about all these pieces that are going together, but that we are just a work of the Lord and that his name will be on display. I'm Nathan Palmatier, director of NextGen here, and I just love the opportunity to share God's word. I get super excited about this. Um, often they have to turn my mic down a little bit because I get a little bit loud, but I'll try to tone it down a little bit this morning. But we are walking in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles with you, get your Bibles open. If you have an app, I'm not judging you, but open that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, get your Bibles open. And if you don't have a Bible, right in the seats in front of you, you can see there's a Bible there. If you haven't opened a Bible ever, that's fine. I was in that place at one point. You just get two-thirds of the way through the Bible. You're in the New Testament, and it's right near the front in the book of Matthew. One of the first Gospels, the first book in the New Testament. So I'll be reading God's Word this morning, but... You know, I know that you come to church and sometimes you're a bit of a spectator, maybe. Maybe you just sit there and you watch. But I'm going to do something this morning that's going to kind of break you out of that, all right? So I'm going to have you participate. Now, I'm not going like next level participation where you need to come up here and say stuff. Um, I don't want to embarrass anyone that way. But I am going to have you participate in reading some scripture. But not all the scripture, all right? I'm going to be easy on you. We're going to have one verse that we'll be reading throughout today. So I want to leave you with some instructions. So the verses that I read will be in blue. What does everyone see this color as? Red. Yes. Excellent. We're off to a good start. So all the ones in red, and this is the verse that you guys are going to be reading. So we're going to be doing some memory verse repetition this morning as well. So let's try this together, and then uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to the passage today. But I want to try this first a couple times just to get you guys kind of warmed up, get those voices warmed up. All right. So, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, was that like half the room? Like, what's going on here, guys? All right, let's try this one more time. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amazing. Awesome. Incredible. All right, let's get into the passage today. Matthew 1, 18 to 25, the birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. 
Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray before we get into God's word this morning. Father in heaven, as we step into communion with you this morning and behold your son, Jesus, we stand in a place of insignificance, a place where we were your enemies and we had no way to mend that broken relationship on our own. Yet you have stepped into humanity. Thank you, God, for pursuing us. Thank you, God, for rescuing us. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to save us from ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we seek after things that do not honor you. Forgive us for focusing on other things this season that are not you. Please bring clarity to us. Help us to step into a place where with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, we cry out, Oh, come, let us adore him. And so, Lord, I lift up your people this morning. I lift up everyone here today, Lord, that is not, they're not here by accident, Lord. You have brought them here. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in this place, move in the hearts of your people, and that you would give me the words to say that would honor you. I lift this all up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so each Sunday we come here to be encouraged. We come here to be refreshed. But one thing I want you maybe to do is leave a little bit different than when you came in. That when we come here, we just even pull one thing away and see one thing that the Lord has impacted us with. So what is Christmas all about? Like, what is it really about? And sometimes we can say one thing with our mouth that, oh, this is what Christmas is about, but then our actions actually show us something else. And some of us, we live like Christmas is going to save us. You may be even thinking right now, oh, my goodness, at least I finally get a break from my work. Finally get that Christmas break that I don't have to be at work. And maybe that's what you're trying to rest in to fulfill you. Or maybe it's the family get-togethers that you're having, and you're like, oh, finally, I can gather all the family around, and this is going to be great. And maybe that's what fulfills you. But you know, maybe even Christmas is really hard for you. Maybe this is a time of year that you remember someone you lost. Or maybe there was an accident this time of year, or you lost a pet, or... And it's not easy for you to focus on what Christmas is really about. We walk through Christmas sometimes like it's going to change our lives. But it won't. Because we're actually really broken. And we have these lofty ideas of what is going to fulfill us, what's going to fill that hole. And all those ideas really are, are lofty. The gifts that everyone's going to give us aren't going to fulfill us. They just leave us wanting more and more and wanting us to return what we got. You know, did you give a gift receipt with that? Because I don't like that color. You know, as a kid, I remember uh, going to my grandmother's house. And now my mom was like estranged from her family, and she had seven siblings, uh, eight siblings, sorry, there was nine of them. And uh, we would go to grandma's house once in a while in Whitefish. I grew up in Sudbury. And I remember how just even thinking back now, how nostalgic that was. Grandma's house was up on a hill. They had horses. There were 
amazing snowbanks, and we would go there. Then we'd sit around this table, and there'd be this big wooden table with these big wooden benches. Come on, get into it, everyone. And then we would sit there, and we'd have all the food and everything, and there'd be a big tree, and under the tree would be gifts. And I would be, I, would, I don't know if you are, but I would be that kid that was like, the big one's for me. I know it. I know it's for me. I know grandma went all out this year. And it usually wasn't. But I remember that, like, going back home in the car, I was upset. I was upset. And not upset like, Grandma didn't get me that gift. But, like, upset like, I want that again. I don't want that time to end. Because you know what? I went back to my life. I went back to our poor neighborhood. I went back to the fighting with my siblings. I went back to what was normal for me. But one thing I got wrong is that that would never actually ever fulfill me, even when I kind of tricked myself to thinking that it would. It never actually did. And there was always this emptiness. And what was going to fulfill that emptiness was Jesus. I didn't know it at that time, but I know it now. Jesus is the one that will fulfill that hole that will fill that gap in your life. We live like Christmas is going to save us. Get the gifts, get the break, get time with family. But in reality, deep down inside, these things don't fix anything. And it's just a facade. And on the outside, we pretend. Like this is what's going to fix us next. If I just get that next thing. If I just... If the family get-together could just be perfect. (laughs) And then you know what happens? Something goes sideways at the family get-together and you've ruined all of Christmas. And we trick ourselves. We trick ourselves into thinking, oh yeah, this year it's going to be different. It's going to be much different. But the gifts break. And you know what, Jim? I don't know if there's a Jim in the crowd you got to go to work on Monday. Family time ends. And that pain that you feel when you go through a hard Christmas, it lingers. It lingers. Jesus is what we need. And when we have Jesus, we truly adore him. It makes all these other things so much sweeter. Because it's not about those things. When you have Jesus, you rest in that. The gifts don't matter anymore. Giving does. You're like, oh, I can't, the joy I can see in my kids and my family. But even if they don't like it, that doesn't matter. If the turkey falls on the ground, or I heard some lady put a whole frozen turkey in the oven and was wondering why it wouldn't cook. I was like, if those things happen, it doesn't matter because you have Christ. And you know what? When you go through those painful seasons, Jesus can give you peace where everything else is just going to linger. Amen. Amen. Jesus is what we need. Let's look at what Christ brings that Christmas can't. So let's go to our first verse. Matthew 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph 
Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Okay, let me just say this. The first Christmas wasn't getting off to a good start. Well, technically, Mary and Joseph didn't even really know prior to this that it was going to be the first Christmas. But we have to put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. Do we have anyone in here that's engaged right now? Anyone? Hands? Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. Typical Baptists. But imagine, <laughs> I'm losing myself here. We have to put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. Imagine you're engaged and you find out your wife is pregnant. Wait, so she goes away for four months and she comes back pregnant? Like, imagine that. What are you going to do? You see, Joseph finds out his fiance is pregnant and it seems as though she actually left the explaining to God. You see, in the passage here, Mary didn't come up to Joseph and say, hey, Joseph, by the way, last night the Holy Spirit came in and, um, yeah, I'm pregnant. No, that's not what happened. And Matthew Henry says, apparently Mary did not explain her situation to Joseph, but chose to leave this delicate matter in the hands of God. She could hardly expect Joseph to understand her story. The situation is a serious predicament for Mary in this. Jewish custom says they're betrothed. And you see, that's a little bit different from today when you're engaged in modern day. Betrothal is a little bit different, and Michael Wilkins helps us point that out. The custom of betrothal was different from engagement in modern society. Customarily, the parents of a young man chose a young woman to be engaged to their son. And then there was this second stage of agreement. It involved official arrangements, a prenup, before witnesses, which was all a legally binding contract and could only be broken with a formal process of divorce. It wasn't, it wasn't simple in their time. They were already married. And you see, if this was adultery, that was a death sentence for Mary. So this is the place we found Joseph in. But Joseph's character is shown here, where he didn't put her to shame, and he was willing to divorce her quietly. When we look to the next verse, though, it seems like Joseph hasn't quite made his mind up yet. Matthew 1.20 says this, but as he considered these things, Joseph is facing a dilemma and is trying to think through this whole situation. Joseph might be like, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do? If I let everyone know, they're probably going to kill her. If I divorce her quietly, what if someone finds out? <sighs> Joseph is in this really tough spot. Joseph, in the last verse, sounds like he's, he's decided to quietly divorce Mary. But then the preceding verse says, but he was considering these things. And just as he was considering these things, what happened, loved ones? 
You know, sometimes as we're reading through the Bible, we can just read through things and not even notice. So it says here, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, okay, daily devotional is done for the day. No, we have to stop. What happened? God showed up. That's what happened. There's this change in Joseph's dilemma. God steps in. Matthew 1, 20 to 21 says this, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Right here, this is more than an angel showing up and giving a baby announcement. You guys know all those announcements, right? With the blue smoke and the pink smoke. The angel wasn't just showing up and being like, hey, Joe, you're having a boy. Peace. No, this was more than that. The statement the angel provides answers to Joseph. Exactly. Some that he was looking for since he was considering these things. This helps him with the dilemma he was facing but it also provides answers to who this baby actually is. God reveals who the baby will be to Joseph. You know, God could have left that part out. He could have just said half of it. Don't divorce your wife, Joseph. The Holy Spirit came down, and you're going to have a son. Peace. <laughs> no, but he, he continued it, right? And you're going to call him Jesus because he's gonna save the world from their sins. God reveals who the baby is to Joseph. From wrestling with how he's gonna divorce his wife and make sure she's not put to shame, Joseph was a righteous man. Joseph was a righteous man. What does that mean? Does that just mean Joseph was a good guy? Joseph was really good. No, this term righteous in there means that Joseph was a man of the law. That means that Joseph knew his Tanakh, it's the Jewish writings, his Torah. He knew what it said. He knew the law. And he knew exactly what it meant when the angel told him his wife was pregnant. And because he was a man of righteousness, he knew what the angel was saying. Matthew 1.21 says this, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. Joseph knew that this meant he was the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that was talked about in the Old Testament, the one that was talked about in the Tanakh. He knew exactly who this baby would be. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God's plan from the beginning was making its way. And Joseph discovers that Mary's baby is the savior of the world. And today, this is the first you've heard of it. You're discovering that Jesus is the savior of the world and is the only one that's ever going to fulfill you, ever, in anything, at any time, at any place, from when you're born to when you're at your deathbed. Jesus is the only one that will ever fulfill you. But okay, wait, stop. Jesus wasn't born yet. So the angel comes in, says, 
Joseph, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be the savior of the world. And they jets out, right? How much was Mary pregnant? Four months? Okay, how long does a baby grow? Nine months? Has anyone thought through the fact that she could have got like, I don't know, sick and died before the baby was born? What if she stepped on the stairs and fell down the stairs? What if she got run over by a camel? These are, these are absolute circumstances that could happen. And then it says it was a son. It was a boy. What if it was a girl? These are all things that we got to kind of think through, right? Like, what's going on here? And what about Joseph? Joseph could have just been like, yeah, nah, she cheated. She done and cheated on me. I'm going to divorce her. Like, there's so many factors in here, folks. But what is this whole plan backed by? Who's it backed by? God. We can point to God's promise. That's what we can point to. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. I knew you guys wouldn't get it. <laughs> Wait, what was that? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. That's right. It was backed by God because God promised it would happen. So it did. But we see that hundreds of years before, God promised through the prophet Isaiah that the virgin would have a son and they would call his name Emmanuel because God would come down. Emmanuel means God with us, which means God reached down into creation. And he promised a baby would be born somewhere. But where was the baby to be born? Oh yeah, Micah 5 2 says it. From you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who is so little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth. For me, one who is the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old and ancient of days. And like, really, why do we care? So what? Why does this matter to me, Nate? Joseph discovered that Jesus was the savior of the world and it changed everything. You see, the angel didn't say, Joseph, look back at the prophet Isaiah and check this out. Did you guys notice that? The angel talks to him, and then Matthew, the writer of the book of Matthew, inserts. And by the way, by the way, readers, by the way, audience, this is what happened in days of old. Joseph didn't say that. The angel didn't say, and by the way, Joseph, this happened when Isaiah spoke 900 years ago. No, Matthew inserts that. But Joseph knew that because he knew his Torah. He knew his Tanakh. And so Joseph knew this was the Christ, the Messiah. And this changed everything. In 24 and 25, it says this, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. 
Just as Joseph understood, we too should understand. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the only one that can put you in right relationship with God. Jesus is the only one that can give you peace. Jesus is the only one that you can be fulfilled in. Jesus is the only one that lived a life that you couldn't live, a sinless life and was blameless, but still went to the cross for you. Why? Because God promised he would save you. God promised he would send his son for you. And he laid out this plan over centuries. Hundreds of different writers, different time periods, different places in the world. And the whole story comes together to tell you that God loves you so much that he sent his son for you. And John 3, 17 says God sent his son into the world to save the world, not to judge the world. So Christ came to save you, and God promised it. So we know it's sure. God came down, and he used broken people to show you that he loves you. You see, when we come to a place of recognizing this, that nothing in the world can satisfy that nothing in this world can give you peace, that nothing will allow you to rest, that nothing in this world will help you to make a decision like Joseph had to. If you're in a place where you find that the world is telling you to get nice things, have notoriety, be famous, have lots of friends, I don't know, fill the gap. It's a lie. It's a complete lie. Because when your world shatters around you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how nice your truck is. When your dad dies, it doesn't matter when things are just ripped out of your life. But what does matter is Jesus, that we can rest in him. Does that mean it's going to be all like rainbows and unicorns? No. But we have a place to rest, the promised king. Walking through the birth of Jesus and this dilemma with Joseph, the dilemma Joseph faced helps us behold, to lift up, to take notice who God is. Helps us to notice that our God keeps his promises. Our God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-holy, yet he entered into our creation. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Behold, loved ones, behold Jesus, who's come as a baby in a manger. I'd like to close off with these words from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Only the humble believe him and rejoice that God is so free and so marvelous, that he does wonders where people despair, that he takes what is little and lowly and makes it marvelous. And that is wonder of all wonders that God loves the lowly. God's not ashamed of lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one could least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak and the broken. 
like me, like you. God is near. Jesus, our Savior, is near. As we walk through our time at Christmas, as we get together with family, as we take a break from all that's going on and work in our lives, do not seek those things to be your Savior. They will not satisfy. You can quote me on that. They will not satisfy. The time you go away to the beach, it's going to end. The gifts you receive from family and friends, they'll fade. But understand that when you follow Jesus, when you behold him, when you adore him, all these things become so much sweeter. They become sweet because they're not the goal to fulfill the emptiness. They're not what will keep you going. They're not what will give you relief. When you adore Jesus, when you behold him, we walk through life knowing we're already secure in Christ. And we don't have to chase after these other things. We find comfort in him. When Christmas is difficult, we find peace in Jesus. So as the worship team comes up, and I finish off here, I have a few questions. Quiz time. Our Christmas becomes an overflow of our life and relationship with Jesus. As you're going through Christmas, ask yourself, am I reminding myself of Jesus? Are the gifts just about getting and giving? Are you at the point where you're like, okay, they spend 10 bucks, I spend 10 bucks, why do we even give gifts? Or is it an overflow of what you've received in Christ? When Christmas is difficult and people are gone, are we just dwelling on the sadness and loneliness and hardship? Or are we reminded that God is with us in this time? Are we going on vacation to get away and be on holiday so we can finally have peace? Or are you resting in Christ for the peace that only he can give? No matter what's happening, rest in Christ. And you're not going to return to work bitter. <laughs> you're going to return to work wondering, I wonder how I can share Jesus with my coworkers, even though I hate this place. Loved ones, this story of Joseph and Mary provides us with a detail about a dilemma, but take notice of the promise that God has shown through difficulty. Let's pray. Father, as we've walked through your word today, as you fed us with the bread of life, bless it, Lord. Make it health and strength to us. Help us to reflect on the wisdom only you can provide in Scripture. Help us, Lord, to walk out here today striving to focus and rest in you through all the chaos, all the joy, and all the pain. Help us, Lord, to adore you, seek you. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. And so we lift this all up in your name.